Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Let's go. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and today it's me, Ella. We're doing a solo show. So if this is the first time that we are meeting, I would encourage you to check out one of our interview shows. Make sure you scroll around and look. I'd say 80% of these shows are interviews, and every once in a while, I jump on here to answer your questions, to share some updates, and some follow-up to recent shows. So if we're meeting for the first time, Hey, this is the place where we talk about mindset and personal development and wellness and success. And today I'm answering your questions. And if you're not new here, hey, miss you. I haven't done a solo show in quite some time and I'm absolutely delighted to be here with you today. Thank you for sharing your ears with me. I appreciate you. How summer for you? I am solar powered, so I am peaking right now. It's about 99 degrees Fahrenheit outside, so I'm questioning my choices, but no complaints. Absolutely no complaints. I have my first triathlon of the season. In fact, my first triathlon where I'm actually doing all three events, my first one since 2021 because of my injury. Oh God. So my goal is to not die. That's my entire goal. And I will keep you posted on how that goes. Okay. If you don't hear from me, then you know. I also, before we jump into your questions, I want to share some places that I will be. I am trying to do some meetups with you all. I want to do one in Washington, D.C. I've decided that summer is not the time. So we talked about that. Summer is not the time, and that is absolutely fine. So let's think September for a meetup in Washington, D.C. If you are near there or can get there, let me know. Hit me up in all the places and let me know so that I can make sure to send you that email. And if you've already done so, I got you. Okay, I'm also going to be in Valencia, Spain, obviously, in September. So if you're anywhere near Valencia in early September, you're going to need to ping me. And in October, I will be in Lexington, Kentucky at a conference. And this conference is open to the public, and it should be pretty interesting. It's really just one full day in October. I want to say October 12th, but I'll talk more about it later. I'm going to be emceeing that conference for a nonprofit that I'm involved in. And it is a conference for women, by women, and I think it's going to be pretty amazing. And it's going to be a great place to make friends and to network and to hang out with me. If you can get to Lexington, Kentucky, then please message me in Instagram or shoot me an email, all the places so that I know to send you all of the details. But this conference right now, I think it's under $50 to attend and then it'll the price will increase, but it remains under $100, I know for a fact. So if that is of any interest to you, then get in touch. Okay, more details about that to my mailing list and on socials. Okay, let's jump into these questions. I am just going to do this off the cuff entirely. So first question from, oh, let's start with Andrea's. This is fun. What does your ideal day look like? I am wired to love variety. So 
even an ideal day, if done every day, would absolutely get boring to me. So that's the first thing. A little variety, a little not entirely sure what's going to happen, that's going to comprise kind of my ideal life. But if I were designing a day that was centered around only things that I wanted to do, I would wake up naturally at about 6.30 a.m. Um, the coffee would be made by coffee fairies and ready and waiting for me, and it would be perfect. And then I would go for a long bike ride with my husband, and we would come back, and I won't go into like extensive detail, But then I'd go for a swim at some point, and this huge salad with everything that I love would be presented to me at lunchtime, and then I would have like this amazing dinner outside. I would be outside, I think, 92% of this day, and I would end the day with a very chilled Sauvignon Blanc or a kombucha, whatevs, and yeah, I would probably crash before 11 p.m. and repeat the next day. I'm a pretty simple girl in that way. I kind of like being outside. I like being recharged in the sun and I like moving my body. All right. Lynn asks, do you ever feel overwhelmed and how do you manage it? Uh, Lynn? Yeah. (laughs) Do I ever feel overwhelmed? Yes. I used to feel overwhelmed quite honestly all the time. It was a chronic state, not an acute state. It was my permanent way of being. And that was largely because of what I took on professionally and kept taking on and kept taking on and kept taking on. And a lot of my overwhelm was self-selected. Now, if you'd asked me that at the time, I would have defended against it. But I have the benefit now of retrospect. And I can tell you that I created a life that was overwhelming and wasn't making choices to untie that knot. And it took me a while to own that, to be accountable for it, and then to decide what areas do I want to change and what areas do I not want to change. So that's one type. And that was, you know, that was years and years and years. And it's taken me quite a few years to really be accountable and own that and make changes in my life. But do I still get overwhelmed? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. In fact, and I, I will share more about this when I'm on the other side of it. Um, and when I can create value for you instead of just dragging you through the mud with me. But I have a circumstance in my life right now that is extremely overwhelming. Maybe you've been hit by circumstances. Maybe a loved one has needed caretaking or has gotten a diagnosis of some kind. Or maybe you got slapped in the face financially. Or, you know, just stuff happens, right? I am dealing with one of those right now. And again, I hope to forage my way through it and learn something and share it with you. But right now, it is honestly, (laughs) it is over overwhelming. And so I will use that as a mental model for telling you how I deal with it. Because that feeling, that's the worst, right? When you feel like the wave has crashed on top of you and you're pinned down by the pressure, right? And you're in it. Let me tell you what I honestly do. The first thing that I do is I breathe. (laughs) 
(laughs) So in the moment, truly, 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 when I have that feeling, because overwhelm is a feeling, when I have that feeling, I focus on my breath. So I'm breathing in through my nose, and I'm breathing slowly, and I'm exhaling slowly, and really getting control of the emotion so that the emotion does not control me. So that's what I do, like, literally in the moment. But zooming out from that just a teensy bit, the way that I manage it in my mind is using a model that I've shared with you before, but it's a framework that has changed my life uh, from the moment I learned it many, many years ago, and I employ it all the time. And that is the control, influence, and adapt model. I sometimes refer to it as a CIA model, which just frankly makes it sound mysterious and alluring. But the control, influence, and adapt model encourages you to ask yourself three questions. One is, in this instance, what can I actually control? Where do I have influence? And if I can't control it, and I can influence it, then where must I adapt? So let's say you get smacked in the face with a job loss or, you know, a tax bill or a diagnosis or something of that nature, okay? Where do you have control? Where do you have influence? And another way to ask that question is, what can I influence in this situation? And where must I adapt? It guides me from sort of panic into planning, to resolution, to thinking, to critical thinking, and in some cases to action, right? So if you're dealing with bad news, you can let it hit you like a tidal wave and absolutely wash all over you. But when you stand back up, what are you going to do about it? Where do you have some influence? What can you do? And where must you adapt and align? And what will that look like for you? So the CIA model, Control, Influence, and Adapt, has helped me enormously, and I did an entire show on that, I think, and I will link to that in the show notes if you would like a refresher. Thanks for the question, Lynn. That's a really good question, and I'll keep you posted. Okay, I'm going to go between short and long answers here, okay? So, uh, by the way, Robin says, if menopausal women may become more insulin resistant, hence the weight gain in the belly, should we be limiting carbs in favor in favor of proteins and fats? Um, I have no idea. So, what I'm going to do with that question is I'm going to take that question and talk to an expert, and we'll get that answered on the air for you, okay? I don't want to ignore it, but I also don't want to pretend to be an expert in something that I am not. Okay. Michelle says, how do you remain consistent with moving your body? What's the mentality? Tips, tricks. Oh boy. Okay. I have thought an enormous amount about this in my lifetime, in the pod lifetime. Uh, This is a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, If you've been listening for a while, you know that I am wired to move. Like I am a very physical person. I am affectionate with my body. I'm very physical in just my day-to-day life. And I also have to move my body or I go legally insane. So how do I stay consistent with movement? I, first of all, treat it as my default. So, okay, I'm going to answer this in three parts. There are three things that I know that I do that work for me, and I'm going to share those with you. You know what? Can I first tell you what I don't do? Because I think this can be really misleading. I'll tell you what it's not. What the answer is not is I am not inspired every day to move my body. I'm not inspired every day. Guys, 
I'm not inspired every day. Are you? I don't wake up and I'm just like, I am so inspired and grateful and I'm going to be so motivated. Like if I had to cruise on inspiration and motivation and willpower, none of this would happen. So I want to be really clear (laughs) before I explain what does work for me. It's not some sort of divine gift that arrives at my doorstep every day. And it sure as hell is not willpower. It's not. It's something... It's something different, and there's a little bit of nuance here. So the first thing that I was going to say is, it is my default setting. So I don't know if you want to consider that willpower. I consider it a habit. I cannot rely on willpower for for jack, okay? For absolutely nothing. For me, my default setting is, I am moving today. What kind of movement am I doing? It's not a question of will I. It's a question of how will I? And that just hits different. It hits different in my brain and it hits different in my body. And it just, I mean, it just manifests itself differently in my actual day. So I find that that wrestling that you do, that mental wrestling about what you should do (laughs) or what you have to do, you know, you have to do, you haven't done it for three days or three years. That mental wrestling with should you move today? Are you actually going to finally make it to the gym or whatever? That whole thing that is so exhausting and so not motivating. And it takes 10 times more the effort than walking for half an hour. So, how about if you're going to have that wrestling match in your head, why don't you have it on a walk? (laughs) So, my default setting is that I am moving. That is not a debate, it's a default. And then it's a question of what am I doing, not whether I'm doing it or not. Okay, the second thing is like just super practical. And you've probably heard me say this before I calendar it. So, I open my phone and I schedule it in my day. And sometimes it's just called block, and sometimes it's run, bike, swim, yoga. that doesn't matter. The point is I block my calendar and I do this for several reasons. One of them is extremely practical. It means no one else can overbook it. The second thing is I've just made a commitment to myself, right? And thirdly, just logistically, I've made it work. So I will typically do that the day before or the morning of. Thirdly, moving my body is something that I honestly view as a privilege. And when you get injured... (laughs) You get those reminders, right, of what a privilege it is. Or maybe you have someone in your immediate circle, if not yourself, who has physical limitations and they would do anything to be able to operate in the body that you're in today, right? The one that you're struggling with so much. So I understand that movement is a privilege, but Again, I'm not waking up with the unicorns bouncing around my bedroom, reminding me that movement is a privilege and the sun is shining and aren't I blessed to be outside today, right? That's not what I mean. I just mean that truly, this sounds so cheesy, truly it's something that I get to do instead of something that I have to do. But that's not really the point that I wanted to make. The point that I wanted to make is when I was 21, I could not run a mile. I couldn't run a mile. I mean, I tried once and I left like like my diaphragm on the actual road. I felt like an elephant wearing cement combat boots. Like it just, oh, I still remember what that felt like. And every once in a while, I still have runs like that, okay? But now I like to think of myself as a competitive age grouper triathlete. And when I was 21, I couldn't run a mile. So what changed? What changed for me was when I found a sport that I loved and when I connected joy to my movement, it allowed me to, you know, that motivated me and getting results from that motivated me. And again, nothing motivates you more than witnessing your own progress. So it's almost like everything we say is true. But 
I allowed myself, I indulged in calling myself an athlete. I had never referred to myself as an athlete before, and I decided that that's who I was. And it sort of became, not sort of, it became a part of my identity. And I honestly think that that was probably the biggest shift for me. And by the way, it's all made up. Like you understand, you could call yourself a ballet dancer right now. And then if you enjoy expressing yourself through dance, you can go down into your basement or you can head to your kitchen and you can dance. And guess what? You're a ballet dancer. And if you wake up every day and you're like, oh, I wonder how I'll move my body today since I'm a ballet dancer, then you're just going to experience the drive to move your body so differently than if you're wrestling with the concept of working out because you need to. So I think that starting to identify myself as someone who trains and that eventually became just someone who moves every day, I think that that was probably the biggest difference for me. So how do I stay consistent with movement? Well, first of all, that's my default setting. It's not, am I going to? It's, what am I going to today? And two, I block my calendar. And three, I really chose an identity. Again, it's all made up. Choose what works for you. Just try it. I chose an identity that worked for me that I wanted to live into every day. Thanks for the question, Michelle. Okay, here's a question. What do your daily meals look like when not prepping for a triathlon? <laughs> I'm sorry, but there is nothing even remotely role model worthy about what I eat in a day. I mean, I just don't eat enough fresh food. Uh, it's a focus of mine. It's an area that I'm concentrating on right now, but I'm probably having like one big fresh meal a day. And then for breakfast, I'm still unwrapping a protein bar. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for lunch, I'm kind of grabbing what's ever around. And that might be, I'm, I'm not even going to it. It's not worth sharing because I do not eat enough fresh food. I do not cook my own food enough right now in the season that I'm in. And I don't get enough protein. Did I say that already? I definitely don't get enough protein. And these guests that we keep talking to are telling me how important that is. So I, I'm really trying. I'm really trying. And every once in a while, when I land on something that works, I share it in my Instagram stories. But, you know, if I, if I start focusing on my food and having more success in that area, I will share. But my diet does not change for race season at all. If anything, just, you know, I don't have any alcohol several days before race. And then a couple days before the race, I just try and drink water and get enough electrolytes. But I am not changing my diet during race season. I'm, I, you know, maybe I'd be better if I did. What products do you use for your face and neck care routine? Okay, my neck is angry because it just learned that it should be having a routine and it's being robbed because I have no neck routine. And I don't know, I probably need one at this point. Um, listen, I have been really simple with my skincare for years. And I attribute that to a conversation I had with Nadine Artemis many, many years ago on this podcast. And it was one of the best performing podcasts that we've ever had because we talk all about skincare. And she basically said, when you use a bunch of chemicals on your skin, you are killing your skin's ecosystem. So she, she, you know, I'm not deep diving into that right now. I'm just telling you that she had me at hello and I started using 
her face oil, Living Libations, best skin ever, and I never stopped. So I moisturize with natural oils uh, at night, and then I use Beauty Pie products during the day. I don't use retinol, and I don't use the other chemicals, not just because of what I just shared with you, but also because I get too much sun exposure. So you don't want to be using retinol, and then you go on a two-hour bike ride in the sun the next day. You don't want to be doing that. I don't want to be doing that, so I don't. So my skincare routine is laughably, laughably simple. And here's one other reason why. There is so much money that goes into telling you that you need these creams and these products and these blah, 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 right? And by the way, some of them I'm sure are fantastic and I love the ones that I use. By the way, I will post what I actually use in the show notes for this blog. I took a photo of my medicine cabinet (laughs) and I will share that and I'll put it in the show notes and you can see exactly what I use when I'm not just using best skin ever and I'll post that as well. But here's the deal. Your skin is so much a reflection of what you are putting into your body. So to be really honest with you, when I'm feeling haggard and when I just, you know, like let's say it's the winter and I haven't gotten sun for a while, I haven't gotten sunlight. I'm not talking about a tan. I'm talking about sunlight. And I just feel like an absolute bridge troll. I know that I need to be doing some things differently about what I ingest. So yeah, I'll do a face mask from time to time. Sure, if I want to feel, you know, if I want to perk up. But I know that truly my skin is mostly reflecting what I'm putting into my body more so than what I'm putting onto my face. So for me right now, I am consuming really good quality oils multiple times a day. So that Udo's oil that I've talked about, I will cook something, uh, that big, huge, fresh meal that I have one a day of, I will pour some of Udo's oil on that after I cook it. And then I also invested in a really high quality fish oil. And I take one tablespoon of that a day as well. My skin is reflecting that I'm doing something right, right now. So I can't stress enough that we can spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars an ounce, quite frankly, on what we put on our skin, but 90% of the work, that's a scientific fact. (laughs) That's based on peer review studies. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I make numbers up. You know that about me. Truly though, so much of what our skin looks like depends on what we are putting into our body. So I'm focusing on really, really good fats pretty consistently and obviously hydration. Okay, questions from Kay, and we'll make these the last two questions for today. She says, can you address summer body confidence and how to achieve it despite your size and shape? And then her next question is, can you ever really get rid of cellulite? (laughs) I love you, Kay. I love you because this is exactly who we are. We're like, we want to love our bodies. And also, how do you get rid of cellulite? That is so relatable. I actually went on a little bit of a deep dive on this issue because I wanted to take your question seriously. So I'm going to answer this in two parts. All right. The first one is to literally how to get rid of cellulite. And the second one is tying kind of these two questions together. All right. I am not a dermatologist. I am not an expert in any of this, but I can read and I did do so. And I'm going to share some of what I learned. So first of all, one thing that I think that many of us know by now is that exercise alone will not completely get rid of cellulite. It doesn't even prevent it necessarily. Okay. It can decrease your overall body fat, obviously. And when you decrease overall body fat, it can lead to smoother skin and less appearance of cellulite. But there are a great many, a great many fit 
and slim or both people who have cellulite. And guess what? It is so natural. In fact, it is the majority, according to the articles that I dug up, it is the majority of people. So great. Okay, let's talk about what it is. Cellulite is more common in women because what it is, is our fat cells are contained in, quote, chamber-like structures that favor the expansion of fat tissue into the dermis. Okay, you got that? Men have crisscrossing connective tissue structures, so it's more difficult for fat to push through that and create the dimpling, the dimpling, dimpling, the dimpled fat that we call cellulite. So your body structure plays a role in whether or not you develop cellulite, but also guess what else does? Your genetics, your hormones, your age, your weight, your eating habits, pregnancies, activity, and how much collagen and estrogen you naturally have in your skin. So let's just level set there. It is structural and normal in many, 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 many cases, okay? But now, of course, technology being what it is, there are quite a few more things you can attempt to do about it should you feel called to do so. And I'm going to just kind of highlight some of those and then we'll get into, into the nuances of your question. So some of the, let's go, let's go low, medium, high. Okay. So some of the extremely accessible things that you can do is you can stay really hydrated, like really focus on staying hydrated because it always helps with the appearance of skin a bit more plumper, right? And smooths out the skin to a fractional or large degree, (laughs) depending. But hydration is key when you're talking about something like this. They say that daily body brushing, you know, with those loofah brushes or those hard bristle brushes that you see, the daily body brushing and massaging can jumpstart your lymphatic drainage. While that's true and it can lead to smoother, less puffy skin, it's also not going to change your the the anatomy that is creating cellulite, okay? I would file these under if you want to feel good that day, right? Um, Or if you want to feel a bit better in your body, then here are some things you can do to encourage it along. But it's not that you can dry brush cellulite away, okay? Another thing that falls in that low, easy, accessible category is using a ground coffee exfoliant. So those scrubs with coffee in them, because it contains caffeine, it temporarily tightens and plumps your skin. So again, this falls into like, I want to feel good. I'm going to the beach today and I want to feel good in my body type category. Easily accessible things that you can do, but we're not talking like life-changing technologies here. Bad news, you know, if this is something that you care about, creams and lotions are not going to make your cellulite disappear. All right. They might temporarily smooth and tighten your skin. Some of them, especially if there's a formula, again, that's spiked with caffeine uh, because it dehydrates fat cells and makes them less visible and it's extremely temporary. So a lot of those are probably the juice is not worth the squeeze because they can be terribly expensive and, you know, very, very temporary. Then you start getting into these dermatological procedures and they uh, range now from these radio frequency devices that internally heat your skin and encourage collagen production and it helps thicken and tone your skin and make cellulite less noticeable. And again, that's a radio frequency technology. Treatments are like 20 minutes for the procedure itself and you only need to do four and they're only about $1,000 to $1,500 each. 
All right. And this has the ability to slightly tighten and firm your skin. So yay, if you would like to spend four to six and a half thousand dollars on something that might make your skin look a little bit tighter, you have options. All right. There's also an injectable enzyme now that breaks down what are called septa bands that contribute to the appearance of cellulite. So this is an injectable and plastic surgeons or dermatologists might administer this. Here's the rub. You need about three sessions to see full results and you can expect to pay anywhere between 700 and a thousand bucks per treatment. And doctors can't say with 100% certainty that your cellulite will never come back, but you can expect it to last a bit longer than some of these other procedures, okay? And then the other category when it comes to technology is the newest procedure, and I'm not gonna name these because I don't wanna promote these. I have no idea if they're good for you or not. But the newest procedure to get rid of cellulite is a professional treatment in which a long probe is inserted into your skin to cut the connective bands that are causing the cellulite dimple. And they say it's the only cellulite device that allows us to identify which of the septa under the skin are the culprits causing the dimple. And they use a light on the end of the probe that allows your provider to see each band that's causing the dimpling. So it sounds very, very specific. And you can expect to pay anywhere from $4,000 to $6,000 to have that treatment, but you should be able to resume normal activities within a week, they say. <laughs> so this treatment is so new that it's not widely available, but I imagine that it will be increasingly so. And if you, you know what I'll do. I don't mean to be cryptic and vague and oblique. I want you to have the information that you want. So I will link to the article that outlines each of these treatments. Okay, I will do that. But, and you knew this was coming. Okay, <laughs> there's another way to get rid of the problem that is cellulite and it's fast and it's free. And that is to decide that it's not a problem. So I wonder if maybe the first thing that we could try is not loving it, it's not grabbing it and going, you know, I feel so grateful that this cellulite has been with me. I've earned the cellulite. You are part of my body and I love you. And you talk to yourself in the mirror and all that. Like if that works for you, amazing. But I'm suggesting something a little bit different. I'm suggesting that we consider a reality where let's say we're at the beach. We consider a reality where your time with your friends, your loved ones, whomever you're at the beach with on this perfect day, your time with them is actually not impacted at all by the shape of the fat on your body. I'm asking you to consider for one moment that the sea that you are enjoying is not a different shade of blue because you have a certain structure of fat on your body. And I'm asking you to consider that you are no less funny you are no less intelligent. You are no less engaged and joyful and vital and vibrant because of the way fat is showing up on your body. One of the best ways to remove the problem of cellulite is to decide that cellulite is not a problem. And I have to say, because very obviously I've been very honest with you about body image issues over the years and then just finally like almost an aloofness and objectivity, not a love, not a rapture, but an objectivity that I've allowed for most days. <laughs> Hell, most hours. I suppose it depends on the hour. But here's the deal. One thing that we have to remind ourselves of is what 
outcome do you want? Like if you are on the beach with your kids, let's say, or your loved ones or your friends, what outcome do you want? What experience do you want? What do you want out of this day? Does the way fat shows up on your body really matter and affect that outcome? Now, if you, I'd like to speak to my Sports Illustrated swimsuit models right now. I hear you. You're in a different category. It will affect your day. It will affect your livelihood. I get that. But like 60% of us aren't actually modeling. (laughs) 60% of the people listening to this podcast right now will probably have the same day that they were going to have if they just decide to show up in the body that they're in and enjoy the moment that they're in. And I suspect the love and the laughter and the day will all still go about as planned, whether you have a certain type of fat on your body or not. I am not a body positivity kind of gal. I am a what kind of life do I want to be living kind of gal. I am a I have this body and I need to use it. This is the one I'm going to show up in. I'm going to use it every single day, no matter what it's doing for me that day, it's going to work for me. And I advocate for a certain level of detachment from expectation and a complete focus on what kind of experience are you trying to create for yourself. That was obscure. Here's what I really mean. We waste so much time comparing ourselves to either former us, perfect hypothetical us, or somebody else. What if we experimented with just turning that off, being in the moment and showing up in whatever body we're wearing that day? I don't know, give it a try, let me know. And if that doesn't work for you, you can have a long probe inserted into your skin to cut the connective bands, okay? We have all options available to us now. Okay, I don't know whether you like these Q&A shows unless I hear from you. So I need to hear from you. Does this work for you? Do you like this? Do you like these interspersed with the interviews that we do? I need to hear from you. It's the only way I know what's landing. So thank you so much. Those of you who leave reviews, you, you it's like a dopamine hit for me. So if you would like to support my addiction, please open your phone today, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this and click five stars and leave a comment. It would make me so happy and I'll read it on the air. I love you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and all the links shared today at onairella.com. There's no with, it's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.